Hey guys, welcome back to Black Canvas. On today's episode, we're going to talk about de-escalation strategies. Do any of you guys struggle with anger or frustration or having a hard time de-escalating when you get upset? Hopefully today, after you listen to this podcast, you'll find some healthy strategies that you can use that will be helpful in de-escalating when we get upset and frustrated. And also learn that there are different stages as relates to our escalations, and we'll be able to find a healthy tool that will be able to help get us back to that centered place that we would like to be. And when I think of de-escalation, I think of it as when we get upset and how important it is for us to work through those upset feelings and finding strategies to be able to move forward in a positive direction. A lot of times we deal with a lot of past hurt, or for some of us, we may have had potential violence or situations in the past where it may have been difficult for us to de-escalate. But in this, hopefully after this podcast, you guys will have some examples and ways or things you can use to help you to deal with it in a more successful way. So the first strategy that I do think that'll be really important when it comes to de-escalating will be to trust your instincts. And when I talk about trusting your instincts, that means that there's going to be times where you're going to be in a situation where you won't have enough time to react the way that you would usually react. And it's going to be important for you to trust the instincts that you do have to help you to slow down that person when they're getting upset or frustrated. The best example for this can be if you have someone in the field of either being a police officer or even if you have someone who's dealing with in the healthcare field. Um, You can see a lot of times if you have a patient or someone who's either in distress or there's things that's going on with someone that you have to either make an arrest or you have to confront someone about something that you've seen or experienced. You may have someone that can be really upset or frustrated or maybe their bodies react to things in different ways. So trusting your instincts will be important. That way you don't get to a point where you accelerate, which I'm going to kind of break that down a little later, the four components of it. But acceleration is definitely one part. And that can cause many people to get into that way of thinking of having to just make a quick decision. But I think trusting your instincts means also that you can kind of slow down to think clearly and make the right decisive choice. The number two strategy I think that would be really helpful for you guys is working on actual silence. And I know silence can be one of the hardest things for people um, because we're so used to hearing noises or pretty much being influenced by sound. Um, For some of us, even with our five senses, you know, touching and hearing things can definitely cause us to have a different reaction. But to actually just sit in silence and to be able to hone in on what we actually feel from the inside will help us to de-escalate as well. And it will also help that individual to share openly their concerns or their frustrations and we'll be able to actually actively listen to what they're saying. The number three strategy, I think that's really important is for us to watch our body language. So this goes back to nonverbal cues. And for any of you guys, especially if you're in the counseling field, a lot of you guys may have heard of nonverbal cues before. For any lay person or person that may not be aware of what that means, it means that a lot of times when you watch your body language, our eye movement, our hand movements, a lot of times we don't have to verbalize anything out loud, 
But sometimes the way we hold ourselves or the way we look at someone, it can definitely cause them to have a reaction. And if someone is already upset or frustrated and and you're trying to help them remain calm, it's going to be really important for you to watch how we come across, even in a stance or where we're standing or how we're actually communicating. Because for any of you guys who've ever done CPI training, um, it is so important to know where we stand, how we stand. Um, also, our tone of voice and how it's coming across can definitely incite someone or it can help to de-escalate a situation pretty quickly. So I think it's really important for us to watch our body language and also our nonverbal cues. Number four is to acknowledge their feelings. So if someone is having a hard time, you guys, with expressing themselves And for some people, they acknowledge their feelings by yelling, by cursing, by screaming. And that may be something that you're not used to. And for others, it might be expressing their feelings through writing. So it's important, even in de-escalating, if someone is writing or journaling their feelings on paper, that you give them a chance to express it in their way, but acknowledge that they're entitled to express their feelings the way they choose, but that we don't have to be a part of a negative experience with that person. And it goes back to trust, trusting ourselves and also trusting that person to work through their issues in a healthy and assertive manner. And assertive communication is so important with de-escalation because you allow them to use I statements. So we can start to even use I statements to reaffirm what we feel. And I think it will be important for us to acknowledge that we have feelings as well as they have feelings. But in that moment, that their feelings should be expressed. And it does matter to not only you, but it matters to others that are around them. The next one that I think will be really important, a strategy, is for us to move toward a resolution. I think it's so important when we have issues that we actually find a resolution, but also to show them that we're actually moving toward that solution and the resolution as well. Um, You'll start to see a lot of times when someone is frustrated that they kind of go backwards into explaining their story or if they feel that they're not heard, that they may express themselves in a different way to be heard. So it's going to be really vital that you guys that we get to that place where we can realize that we can move forward and the solution may not be what they want in the moment, but it might be the best solution to assist that person in actually making better choices. And another one I would love to share with you guys, I think would really be helpful is to ask questions. I think it's important to ask someone how they're feeling or asking them how do they feel to check in with them emotionally, even throughout their upset feelings in the moment. Um, you'll start to see when someone may start off in an argument or if they're frustrated, even on the job, that a lot of people can get really upset and they can work themselves up. And then it's hard for them to work themselves down if they don't have the strategies themselves. But when you can actually ask someone or even what I like to call parroting, which is a counseling term as well, where you can actually say back to them what they've actually said, it gives them a chance to know, number one, that you're listening and you're acknowledging how they feel but also that you're paying attention to how their words have been expressed and you're learning a healthier way of communicating back to them from a different perspective. So I think it's so important that we get to that point where we actually know that we don't have to have the final word. Um, We allow them to share openly and they can actually explain from their own perspective, but that we can pair it and share if they want us to actually share what we've learned or what we've experienced through their hurt feelings or their upset feelings in the moment. And we can find healthier ways of working through it and actually getting to a place of hopefully resolution. And I want us to remember in the last parts, I want to break down you guys for the strategies that I think is going to be really important is to apologize. 
And I do believe when we talk about apologizing that it has to come from a genuine place. Um, one thing that I try to do when I apologize is that I explain to the person what I'm sorry for, if it's something I've done to cause the hurt. But I also give them the opportunity to explain or to accept if the apology is something that they want to take or give themselves time to work through it or to give myself the opportunity to make sure I'm saying the next right thing. Because a lot of times you'll hear someone say, if you were offended, then I'm sorry. And that kind of really gets to a point where it negates the actual apology because you're questioning even the validity of their pain. But I think it's important that we say that, you know, I'm sorry for, or we actually show them in our actions without verbalizing it, but that we can actually get out there and do something different um, because we don't want to provide what we call lip service and tell them what they want to hear, but also being very diligent to make a change in our behavior. And in changing our behavior, we can actually move forward in a positive direction. So before we end the podcast, I really want to talk about the different stages that can happen when we get angry or upset. And then also talk about how we can get to hopefully our last stage, which would be the recovery stage. So the first stage can be considered the agitation stage. And that's when someone is just agitated or frustrated about what's going on, which can cause them to escalate. And a lot of time agitation can lead to acceleration where we start to accelerate. If you think like a car when it accelerates, that's sometimes when our mind and our body will start to react. And if we can't get to that that place in our mind where we can kind of slow down and we can actually work through it, we can get very frustrated and it can lead to a lot of physical symptoms as well as behavioral symptoms that can hurt us long term. And after we get to acceleration, hopefully we have worked through some of these strategies. We can get to de-escalation where we've actually calmed that person down and helped them work toward those issues and rectified a lot of those problems um, through apologizing and changing our behaviors and being aware of using our emotional, physical, mental and verbal cues and the tools that we have to help to hopefully reduce any possible potential violence or hurt to that individual. And then the last part is called the recovery stage. And that's when we have really gotten to that place where we can recover, we can be in a different headspace, and we can actually watch our body, watch what we're saying, being silent, hopefully doing box breathing or or progressive muscle relaxation or mindfulness techniques. And we can actually trust ourselves and our decision making so that we don't get back to that place of those hurt feelings or get back to that place of upsetness. So the whole great purpose of de-escalation is kind of being aware of where we are, who we are, how we react, but also being open to suggestions, strategies, and tools to help keep us in a calm nature. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast on de-escalation strategies. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach back out to me. I would love to talk to you guys about it and move forward in a positive light. Let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. I'm not afraid of